You're listening to episode 107 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. If you've been listening for a while, you know how I get when I meet a guest who I feel like I have an instant connection with. Overly giddy, <laughs> to say the least. But hey, I don't think that's a bad thing, right? This week's guest is Lisa Mustard. Lisa is a licensed marriage and family therapist, life coach for women who want to live their best midlife, podcaster, and entrepreneur. Lisa and I cover everything from diving into a new career, burnouts, motherhood, and of course, living your best life. If something resonates with you today while listening, share this episode with a friend or screenshot that you're listening, share it on social media, and tag me in it at MindBizLife. I'll be sure to not only follow you, but reshare it with our community. Let's get this podcast into the homes, cars, and earbuds of many. This episode is sponsored by Spiritually Seeking. Through the end of April, when you go over to spirituallyseeking.com and use the promo code PODCAST, you'll receive 10% off your order. If you're looking for guidance, you can score a personalized card reading or even a one-on-one private spiritual guidance session with yours truly. And if you want to dive deeper into self-awareness, check out the personalized numerology report. It's all available for you at spirituallyseeking.com. Remember that spiritually followed by a dash seeking.com and use the promo code podcast to save 10%. Okay, are you ready to meet Lisa? You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up. Let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. to another episode. Today's guest is licensed marriage and family therapist, podcaster, and entrepreneur, Lisa Mustard. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time to join me today. Hey, Lauren, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I can't wait. Can't wait to talk. We connected through a group that we're both in, and I was intrigued when I read that you help women live their best midlives. I know there's got to be a good story in here as to what led you to this mission. If you will, share a little bit about your journey with us and what got you to this point in life. Yeah, thank you for asking, and I'm I'm excited to tell you guys about my story and about my journey, and you know, living uh, what my living my best life looks like because I truly believe it looks different for everybody. Um, so, for the record, I am 46. Um, I have an interesting background. I started out in sports and entertainment marketing, graduated college in 95 before, right when like the internet was becoming a thing. I didn't even know what email was when I graduated. Um, (laughs) It was like all the, I call them the youngins, the freshmen were down on the computer lab, all in this email thing. And I was like, ah, that's not relevant to me. I'll never use that. (laughs) Like you can imagine, you know, that's how many years ago? 24 years ago, right? Right. And so I got a, um, a job. I, well, first I interned with a sports marketing company. Um, I was uh, a media relations intern. Uh, it was a popular American road race. And that was the year that Lance Armstrong became the Lance Armstrong. So mm. I was kind of behind the scenes working as he was, you know, becoming this like um, American hero, I guess we could call him at that time. Um, and from, and from there, that company decided it dissolved and they, the head of that company moved to Atlanta and took a job at Turner sports and a bunch of us moved. I was in Richmond, Virginia. That's where I'm from. A bunch of us like moved down to Atlanta and I got a, a job with the Goodwill games kind of followed the pack of the people that I worked with. And I was working in marketing with the Goodwill Games, and that was in 96, 97, 98. 
um, the, the athletes that we worked with was like Michelle Kwan, um, Michael Johnson, Dan mm-hmm. O'Brien. These are all athletes yeah. that I got a, I was, you know, had all this, I mean, just a great time living in Atlanta, single, having a lot of fun. But um, I got to a point where I was looking for a new challenge and Turner Sports also owns world championship wrestling. So I moved, I took a lateral position. I moved over to world championship wrestling, worked in marketing. And that was a really interesting experience (laughs) to say the least. (laughs) Really interesting. Um, And, you know, I'm in my late twenties and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, is this what I want to do with my life? You know, do I want to stay in professional wrestling? I mean, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of maybe there's opportunity here, but it, I really wasn't sure it's what I wanted to do was my life's calling. And right. about, about the same time I was getting really interested in health and wellness and, um, helping people kind of, you know, I was, I was just learning a lot about myself and what was lighting me up. And I was getting, um, back into the lifting weights and being active. And I was curious about, um, grad school too. So I decided that it was time for me to go back and advance my Uh, you know, studies. And so I came to the University of South Carolina and got my master's in public health. And I wanted to tie marketing and public relations in with public health. And so that was kind of the journey, the the journey and then the path that I was on. Um, At at the same time that I moved here, I met my future husband. Um, He was just a good friend at the time. And we started to go to the gym together and he was a personal trainer. So he really helped me kind of work on um, setting up a a program in the gym. And I fell in love with lifting weights Um, and things were good. And then things weren't good all of a sudden. And I couldn't figure out what was eating at me. Um, Our relationship was kind of rocky. And he said to me one day, he said, you know, I love you and I care about you, but I can't be with you if you're going to be this unhappy. Mm. And I didn't know I was devastated because I didn't know myself very well. Like I thought I really knew myself in my late twenties, but I really didn't. Um, And I started to go to counseling. And when I was in counseling, I did a lot of work on my family of origin, um, my parents' divorce, what it, what I, how I defined being a woman, how I defined success, how I thought marriages should be, um, finances, all of those things. And as I went through the process of therapy, Um, I learned so much about me. I learned so much about expectations I had put on other people to make me happy. I learned so much about, um, you know, your beliefs even. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Like I didn't know what I believed in until somebody really questioned me and that's really important. So, um, and then I fell in love with the process of therapy and I did a lot of work on myself and I said, you know what, I think I want to go back to grad school and I want to become a therapist. So, you know, in my early thirties, I went back to school again and got a master's in counselor education and eventually became a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, and my husband now, Billy, you know, he and I worked, I worked really hard on myself and we are not perfect. I am not perfect. Neither is he, but you know, I have a lot, um, I'm so much better about, you know, taking responsibility for my thoughts, feelings, and actions than I ever have been in my, my whole life. And at 46 years old, um, I can say that I feel like I'm living my best life, you know, and just kind of going through that journey and my journey is not over. I truly believe that it's not over. I feel I kind of feel like it's just getting started. Um, now that I kind of know myself better and I just love helping other women see the potential in themselves and knowing that, you know, you're just 
you have so much more in you to do. You have so much more in you to be, to become, so much more in you to have um, that it, it really lights me up and it really gets me excited. And so I'm, I'm really hopeful that, you know, women in their mid thirties to mid forties, even 50 up can still, you know, pivot and shift and, and do live their best lives and, and can and make an impact. Um, mm. however they, they define making an impact. I love, um, I feel like you touched on so many good points. <laughs> I'm like now at this point, I'm like, okay, which one do I want to <laughs> yeah. start at? So yeah. I think I'm going to start with your, what was then your future husband, but now your husband saying to you that he can't be with you if you're that unhappy. So take us back to that because I feel like for him then to see your progression and your growth, Mm -hmm. what did that just do for your relationship? Like going through therapy? Mm. Was that just, I mean, did you take some time off to really devote to yourself and then kind of rekindle it? Or was he like ride or die or how was that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's, it's an interesting, you know, I look back on it now and it's like, that was 18 years ago. And you know, you, maybe I tend to romanticize it a little bit. If he was here right now, he'd probably be like, no, no, let me tell you. (laughs) Um, but we, you know, we talk about it every now and then. And, and, I had, you know, growing up, I grew up in a family where we didn't really talk about feelings. It was, we didn't talk about what was going on in, in our heart. It was more about, this is what you do. These are the decisions that you make and you don't question. You just kind of, you know, you go through, this is, this is what marriage is. This is what is expected of you. There's a lot of shoulds, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I did, I took the time to really consider what is going to make me happy because I knew enough that I was so unhappy because I was putting all of my happiness onto him. Like it was his responsibility to make me happy. And I knew, like, I knew that wasn't correct, you know? Right. But you I knew the tools to fix it. Almost. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So therapy really helped me, um, you know, learn the tools, learn some communication skills, learn how to uh, have patience with myself and not be so emotionally reactive to things. And I think what ultimately had us come back together was he could see me working really hard because we would still like, we broke up and this, I don't recommend this. Like I was thinking about this the other day, like I should, we should have just cut each other off. You know, like we shouldn't have talked, we shouldn't have been in each other's world, but we still liked each other enough. We wanted to be friends. And so in the back of my mind, I kind of thought like, there's a chance we could get back together. And so I took that risk of kind of like re-engaging with him and he, he took that risk as well. And it did, it, it just, we took some, some time and space apart. We weren't together as much, but we still would go to the gym together and we would still con- cause that was like our fun place. And right. I thought, you know, I just want to like, can we just be friends and have fun together and just see where this goes? So he, he could, and we would talk after the gym, we'd sit in his truck and we would just like talk about, you know, what I was learning about myself and, and, you know, his experiences growing up. So it really did deepen our relationship, our friendship, which eventually, brought us back together. Um, it probably took us about after we broke up nine, 10 months, maybe Mm -hmm. for us to kind of come back together and realize like, we really do have something special and we're going to keep working at it. So, um, a lot of growth can happen in 10 months though. Like, people oh, yeah. be like, oh, you were only 10 months. And some people yeah. are like, oh, 10 months. Like it's all about perception yeah. of how you see that. But a lot yeah. can happen in that time, especially when you're actively doing the inner yeah. work. Yeah. And I also, you know, I was in my I guess I was in my early thirties at this point. And so I knew that anymore. It's like, I'm 30 years old. I have to, if my life is going to get better, I have to work on it. And so I didn't want to waste any time. You know, um, it was like, 
I would have an experience and I would just kind of sit in the feeling and be like, okay, well, what am I feeling right now? And mm-hmm. what I want to do with it? And okay, where's the logic in this? And what's really true here? And how do I want to show up after having this? And so there's, there was so much that was going through my mind and through my heart. It was like, it was exciting, but it, it was also really scary at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I cried a lot. Like I cried a lot. And I thought about moving from, you know, I just wanted to quit my job and leave and, and just start over again. But I kind of, you know, wherever you go, there you are. Like I always had right. that. I mean, I'm just going to, wherever I go next, I'm still going to be me. So yeah. may as well stay here and just, you know, keep, keep working. And, and I had him and, you know, it, it, it worked out. I mean, and it's work. It's not like it was just one day. Oh, like a fairy tale. Yeah. Yeah. It was, like, yeah it's there's work. work. Yeah, there's work, work to it. I know that a lot of your focus with clients is our women who are in that midlife type of age. Have you found that there's a common theme that you see around women who are at that age and they come to you support? Do they all seem to hit like a burnout phase or have they lost a sense of identity while raising their children? Anything like that? I think, well, I think there's definitely room for both. Yeah. I think the majority of the women that I see and help and work with are, it's more of they've lost themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. who, who am I? I'm, I'm not just a mom, darn it. I'm more than just a mom. I have more in me, but my children demand so much of me and I want to be there for them. You know, so there's like, there's, I've lost myself, but I feel guilty for feeling that I want more, you know? And, and so I do notice that theme, um, a good bit. Yes, definitely. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like when you get to a certain age, I mean, I, I made a shift and I thought it was scary to do just mm-hmm. in my early thirties. So I feel like the older you get, the, the almost more intimidating that can get to lean in and take initiative to make a lasting change. And when you're thinking about pivoting into a new career or skill set, that scare factor just increases. Where do you advise people start? Yeah. I say start with what you're good at. Start with mm. your strengths. And you, you, I hear so much, oh, figure out what you're passionate about. Figure out your passion. Well, I got to be honest with you. When you're 40 something years old and you've been in a career or you've been a mom, you know, you've been doing something for 10, 15 years, you probably have some strengths in that area. So while you might be passionate about, you know, something else over here, what are you really good at? Let's look yeah. at what are your strengths and what really you could do with, you know, one arm tied behind your back (laughs) and you could, you could speak about for days and days, um, start with what your strengths are and then, then kind of, you know, decide what else you want to bring into that. That's pretty much what I did. Um, Mm. and I've tried it where I've been super passionate about, you know, I'm very passionate about health and wellness and fitness and, you know, health and activity. But when I was, when I decided to do personal trainings many years ago, I quickly burned out on that. I wasn't as passionate about it <laughs> as I thought I was. I mean, I was passionate about helping women, but I wasn't passionate about writing programs, right? Interesting. Um, when I was, and then I thought, well, I'll be a health coach. I'm really passionate about helping, you know, eating healthy. Well, I was really passionate about once again, helping women, but I wasn't passionate about going on grocery store tours or, you know, um, writing healthy meal plans. So I kept coming back to, I'm really passionate about helping women. I'm really passionate. I'm really good at it. I'm really, it's a strength. I can listen really well. And honestly, that's kind of what had me go into therapy was, um, like, I love to listen to people. I love people. I love hearing stories. I really help people looking at their issues differently, giving them a new perspective. Um, so it's more about your strength than it is about your passion. And I think people get that kind of confused at times. 
I, I love that you touched on that and you wore so many different hats while mm-hmm. trying to figure out. So you knew you were passionate about helping women, mm-hmm. but the course of how you could help women changed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like you try on one hat, not for me, try on another one. That's not saying that you were changing your overall mission of helping women. It's just the path that you took was different. Yep, exactly. Oh, and that's so important because we can get hung up and see that as a quote unquote failure, right? So like, oh, I failed. Maybe Mm -hmm. I wasn't supposed to help women. And that can, that can be a tricky mindset. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, the idea of, and when, when I hear you say failure, my brain doesn't go to failure. My, my brain goes to, well, it's feedback. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's feedback. You don't have to view it as a failure, view it as feedback. And there's nothing wrong with getting your, now your mindset has to be in the right place to hear it as feedback for sure. Right. But it's, it is, it's just feedback. And I've gotten so much feedback over the years that I don't, I just like, oh, okay, well, let's, let me, let me think about this differently, or let me look at different possibilities here, or what might be an opportunity with this versus, oh my gosh, I'm not meant for this. This yeah. stinks. I suck. <laughs> right. <laughs> Count me out. Yeah. How do you stay true to yourself? How do you make sure that you are making decisions that are in alignment with yourself? Yeah. I think that's a really important question and something that we don't talk enough about. You have to know what your values are. You have to know, first of all, you have to know what they are. You have to prioritize them and then you have to live them congruently because mm-hmm. when you are walking in alignment with your values and your beliefs, everything the, the noise just kind of goes away. Um, the, the distractions go away. You can make decisions so much easier. Um, you, can, you can figure out your next step so much quicker. So yeah. it's, to me, it's about identifying those values, rating, ranking them, and then how congruently and authentically are you living them out every single day? It's not something that you just revisit once a week. It's something that you have to revisit every morning when you wake up and every night before you go to bed. And I think a lot of people just don't realize that, you know, they don't. Yeah. I, we were talking before this, we're, we're both uh, girl moms and mm-hmm. I think it's important now to teach these types of tools to our children so that mm-hmm. they're not 30, 40, 50, 60 year old women learning them for the first time. It's almost like they can be a couple steps ahead of us. What are you doing as a mom to kind of bring these tools oh. to your girls? Yeah, that is, I mean, you know, I think about that a lot. Um, and I, tr- I work really hard to balance that between me talking at them right, <laughs> or, or, talk, or talking with them versus looking for other women, um, other men that are mentors out there that they can learn mm. from. And it's really interesting. Um, so I've been, I don't, I, I mean, I've known about Gary Vaynerchuk for years, but I just right. recently started listening to his podcast um, more, more often than not. And I think it's because he's very motivating and he's, he really can, can pump people up and he, he does pump me up, but I was telling my 11 year old about him and I said, you know, he has this idea about, um, you know, you go to yard sales and you can find beanie babies, pay 50 cents and then figure out how much you can sell them on eBay for. So that just like got her really excited. And I said, I'm going to let you listen to him, but he cusses a lot. (laughs) Yeah. He drops some F bombs. (laughs) So, so we're like this this morning before school, we were listening to like a little, cause she's on TikTok, And so we were, yeah. a lot, we were watching it together. And I said, now Eva, if you go to school today and you drop a bomb, I'm going to be in so much trouble, not just with your, <laughs> but with your dad. I was like, so please we have to, but then I found out that he has, um, he has his podcast where he doesn't cuss. So like they edit oh. it out, so, which, which is great. Cause I think he has such amazing messages yeah. um, about entrepreneurship and stuff. So, right. so it's, 
so it's me for sure. And my husband, because, um, you know, like I said, we have similar beliefs and values. So we are very mindful as to what they're getting at school. We're paying attention. And then we're, we're saying to them, okay, well, um, what do you think about that? Or where do you, where do you feel the holes are in that? Or what questions do you have about that? Just staying engaged with them and keeping a pulse on, you know, what they're, what they're being exposed to, um, what they're excited about, what, what they're not excited about, what they're feeling challenged by. Maybe, um, do you want to take on a new challenge? And it's, it's just staying engaged and, um, not, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be their friend. I want to be their mom, but I, I want to, um, I don't know. I have a good relationship with them. Yes. Like, Thank yeah. You. Like you like want to nurture yeah. that in like yes. so many different ways. It's, it's like, yeah, we could, it's, yeah, I think there is that fine line of like mm-hmm. friend and mom, but like mm-hmm. you can be both. You right. can, you can wear both hats and sometimes it's just, it's different. Yeah. And I'll, I will share that. Um, I grew up with a single mom. It was just me and my sister. My parents were divorced. So I came home. I was a latchkey kid. I mean, I came home from middle school and it was on me to entertain myself. And, you know, I was a good, I was a good kid. It's not like I got into trouble or anything, but I didn't have my mom there at home after school to help me process what was going on in, in like middle school. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, middle schools can be hard. There's relationships, oh, so hard. <laughs> friendships. I mean, I have like had it ever since I was, became a mom, I was like, I'm going to be there for my girls after school, no matter what it takes, because I want to, um, I want to, I didn't have that. And I know how important it is as, I mean, I see it as a therapist when I work with families and stuff. Um, you know, I want to be able to be there for my kids. So I, it's a, that's a priority for me. Not, you know, every day I don't feel like it. I don't want a mom after school because, um, you know, I'm, maybe I'm working on stuff and they've got things. It's not easy every day, but it's, it's, and I don't want it. I don't wish it to go away. Yeah. But you know, I have to remember, I asked for this, like, oh, you know, yeah. I, this is what I dreamt of and I, and I have it. So, um, I'm just very, I'm not a helicopter parent. I don't think, but I'm engaged, you know, yeah. and I, I, no, I what's feel, going on. I feel the same way. And I can really relate to that so much because my mom had this job where she worked crazy hours. I'm talking 60 to 80 hour work weeks. Do I think she wanted that or wanted to do that? No. Do I think she was doing what she had to do both as an adult and a provider? Yes. But I think subconsciously her crazy demanding job made me not want to have that type of job. It made me want to work from home and have more flexibility and, and be home after school. And I love that you brought up the whole after school thing because it can also be <laughs> exhausting, (laughs) like to say the least. If you yourself as the parent aren't mentally prepared to hear about their day. So I noticed that if like I'm doing calls all day long and then boom, I have to go pick up the kids. If I haven't given myself even 10, 15, 20 minutes of quiet time to kind of decompress, I'm not able to absorb as much for them. And it's not that I can't be there, but it's, you know, I'm not, I'm like half listening then, or I'm just like, okay, I need 10 minutes. So I make dinner. I'm not as present. So I've now made it kind of my, my go-to is I used to meditate in the morning that used to really work for me. Mm -hmm. And now I do it right before I go get them from school, just so I'm walking in in a more calm, relaxed space. And I think it's important to kind of notice those things about yourself and have those seconds of reflection so that you can show up or see how you can show up as a better partner, as a better mother, as just a better person for yourself. 
Yeah, I love that. And I, you're right. And I don't think we talk about that enough either as moms. I don't think we, I mean, I, I call it the parenting black hole. When the girls were like smaller, I would be to my, you know, friends, I was like, you know, I'm pretty much between the hours of like three and seven 30. Don't even bother. Like yeah. I can't answer the phone. I can't answer your text. Like I'm just in the parenting black hole. And, <laughs> and it's, and I hate to say it like that, but it's kind of a joke now between me and Billy, but <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like if we don't, if we don't nurture ourselves, you know, take that time and give us some quiet time before we go and pick them up. You're right. It is, it's hard. And I don't know about your kids, but mine are at this age, like my nine-year-old or nine-year-old, she is so chatty right now. And Uh it's like, (laughs) like everything Uh is so important. And I have to tell you right now, you won't believe what happened at recess. And you're just like, and it's probably going to be the longest story ever. And you're just, Thinking to yourself, like, okay, can we get to the point? Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But then but then I have to like, I, I don't know about you, but like, I have to kind of giggle because I'm like, it's not going to be like this forever. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. like, soak it in. Talk to me because I'm sure there's yeah. one day where you're just going to walk by me <laughs> and um, I'm not going to be worth the time of day. <laughs> right. So right. yeah, it's always that like little, you know, like devil and angel almost on your shoulder of like, listen, oh, not that interested. So keep listening. Keep listening. Yes. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting, it's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's important that, I mean, you have touched on it so many times of just, there's always just this give and take and life doesn't have to look the same year to year. It's, it's really just listening to yourself and, and flowing more. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great, oh, I need to write that down, Lauren. That was good. <laughs> can we make that a tweetable? That was really good. Yeah, we definitely yeah, can. <laughs> I like that. And I, I, you know, and that just, I mean, if I think about where I was a year ago, where I am today, so many things have shifted. And, you know, I think it's giving yourself that permission to shift mm. and to pivot. That's okay. You know, it's, it's weak. Ladies, you have permission. You have it in you. You can, you can decide that you want to pivot and do something different and and just start anew at any time. I, I think it's really important that that they know that. I I think it's really cool. Let's talk about your podcast for a second because okay. and correct me if I if I've misunderstood this, but you mm-hmm. can get hours towards mm-hmm. higher education for when you <laughs> listen to some of your courses, like your podcast. Is this correct? Is this it what is. I understood? Okay. Tell me more because this is like fascinating to me. It's such a cool concept. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really, really excited. And so I don't know if any of your listeners are out there have like what we call a professional degree where you have to get CEUs for your license or for your state or for your certifications, um, then you'll understand the, you know, where this is coming from. So every two years as a licensed marriage and family therapist in South Carolina, I have to get 40 hours of continuing education contact hours. And forever and ever, I've been going to workshops and seminars and webinars and, you know, ugh, it, the list goes on and on. And a lot of the times it's a check the box kind of thing. Now they, you know, we want to pick things that are, you know, within our niche, things that we want to learn about. We have to do a certain amount of um, credits on ethics. Um, you know, if, if you're uh, a therapist and you focus on trauma, chances are your CEUs are going to be around trauma. If you're a marriage and family therapist, you might be doing some couples counseling um, CEUs. But I just, I was at a conference and I was looking around the room and I was like, 
the audience was half like 65 and plus, uh, not, no, not even half, probably like 25% was like 60 plus. Those are like the old guard master therapists that when right. they talk, you know, we're all listening. We're like, what yeah. are they going to say? Like, yeah. you know, and then you've got the rest of the room is like Gen Xers like me, but all these millennials, like, and I was like, they're all on their phones. They may not be doing anything, but their phones are right there on their hip. When they go on break, they're on their phones, they're listening to stuff. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could take CEUs to podcasting? Because I know I would listen when I'm working out, when I'm folding the laundry, when I'm making dinner, it would be a great way to save time and also save money on CEUs because the overhead is, you know, putting a podcast together really isn't that expensive compared to putting together a six hour event in a hotel. Right. Right. And, or so, having, yeah, and, tra- and yeah. having to travel for it and yep. buy your ticket and all those things. And, yeah. All those things. So I got really curious about, well, who is doing this? Is anybody doing this? Because maybe I could just um, go work for them. That's, that's how I thought. Like, I'll just yeah. go work for them. And then I couldn't find anybody doing anything like that. I did have a, I do have a friend who's a speech therapist and they're doing something very similar. And so I started to kind of follow what they were doing. And I thought, Hey, they're making podcasts and talking about speech therapy and audiology and all these different topics. And I was like, well, why can't we do this for therapists? So I just decided to create it. (laughs) So, So um, thank you. Yeah. So the, the challenge really right now is every state has different licensing regulations. So right now I'm an approved, approved provider for continuing education in South Carolina. Um, however, so if you're a therapist in Georgia and you want to buy one of my CEUs, you, your board may not say that it's okay. Um, because the CEU comes out of South Carolina. So I'm going after a national, um, credential that will then allow any LPC or LMFT in any state across the country to listen to an episode, you know, take the course and pass it and then get the certificate of completion. Once I have that certification under my belt, it will open me up to a national audience and it's coming. It just takes months takes for them yeah. to review. Yeah. That is, is fine. so awesome. This is so, like just an awesome concept because yeah, how Thank cool you. if you can learn while you're doing your everyday activities. And I mean, that's why I love podcasts, right? You can be yeah. in the car, listen to it, pause it, yeah. go back to it later when you just, you know, have your earbuds in doing a little bit of work. So you're right. Yeah. It's so smart. And I love that you saw that niche and you're like, yep. Thank you. In it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really excited. And if there are therapists that are listening to um, the show. I mean, if you have ideas for topics you'd like me to cover, just all you have to do is go to my website or find me on social media and say, Hey, I would love it if you covered X, Y, and Z, and I will make it happen. There's so many topics out there. It's overwhelming to kind of like try to, you know, bring it all together and um, focus on one, one area. So instead of trying to be, you know, only focus on couples or only focus on PTSD, what I'm really working to do is do like overviews. Mm-hmm. So, it, so if you've never worked with, um, eating disorder population, you can come and you can listen to an hour discussion and learn about the different diagnoses, learn about different treatment. It's enough to like kind of wet your appetite, right? And if you want more then you can take a deeper dive. So mine's more like a introductory or intermediate type of course. It's not going to be like, you know, a six hour course on, you know, PTSD kind of thing. I think that's, that's brilliant too, because I can only imagine as a professional in that area, if you haven't, if that isn't, you know, your area of expertise and you just kind of want to say, Hey, maybe this is coming up a good bit among the the people that I work with. I should, you know, look into this a little bit more. It does give them that. Let me dip my toes into it. Hey, yep. Mm -hmm. Really like it. Let's go further. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How awesome are you? You're just doing so much important work, I feel like. And I know our audience is going to just want to learn more about you and what you have to offer. So where can they go to connect with you further? Well, I am on Facebook. Um, I have a couple pages on Facebook. You can find me at The Therapy Show with Lisa Mustard on Facebook. You can find me at Lisa Mustard Change Agent on Facebook, as well as on Instagram. Um, You can find me at both of those places. I am on LinkedIn. I am on Twitter. <laughs> You're like, I'm I think everywhere. I'm even on, t- I think I, you know what, Lauren, I'm even on TikTok now because my daughter, but I only have like one video up. Oh, and it me is too. Horrible. I really don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> my kids are like, you have a video. I'm like, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what to do with TikTok, but Gary V says we need to be on TikTok. So I, I don't know. So there you are. <laughs> yeah. So I'm there. I'm All right. Well, there. I'll have to find you because you might be like my first follow too. Yes. So, so. Yes. <laughs> That'll be so fun. Yeah. I love it. I'll make sure to link all of this in this week's episode notes. Lisa, it has been such a treat speaking with you today. Thank you for sharing your journey and passion with us. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with you. How contagious is Lisa's energy? I mean, you're definitely going to want to connect with her further. I love the Instagram content she pumps out. I've linked her website, social channels, and podcast in this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. I'm back here on Friday for another episode of Fuel Your Life Friday, but until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.